Good morning. In today's headlines, a scramble for flight tickets, mass arrests and condemnation from global leaders. Russian President Vladimir Putin raises the stakes with yesterday's military mobilization order. The Justice Department is regaining access to classified documents in its criminal investigation of former President Trump. Find out why a federal court reversed a stay on the documents in question. With U.S. fentanyl deaths nearing 80,000 in the past year, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has come up with a new definition for drug cartels. In a scenario that could save the world one day, a NASA rocket heads off to space to face off with an asteroid. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm Evelyn Lee. Good Thursday morning. It's September 22nd. A lot to get to today. So we start off with President Biden and British Prime Minister Liz Truss. The two leaders condemn Russian President Vladimir Putin, accusing him of using dangerous rhetoric. That's in response to Putin's mobilization order yesterday and the thinly veiled nuclear threats he made. NTD's Daniel Monaghan has more. President Joe Biden rebuked Russia for its escalating nuclear threats yesterday while addressing the UN General Assembly and warned Putin that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. Biden made the comments hours after Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization to call up 300,000 reservists. Experts are calling this a significant escalation of the conflict which has kept Europe on edge the last seven months. Putin also played the nuclear card, stating he will not hesitate to use nuclear weapons to protect the country's borders. This signals he will stop at nothing to halt the Ukrainian counteroffensive. Biden remarked that the world is seeing disturbing trends of escalatory rhetoric involving nuclear weapons, not just from Russia, but also China, North Korea and Iran. We cannot let the world now slide backwards. Meanwhile, British Prime Minister Liz Truss pledged 3% of GDP for defense by 2030 in an address to the UN General Assembly in New York. She went on to outline the importance of a strong economy and a sound energy policy to protect democracies against despotic regimes. We are cutting off the toxic power and pipelines from authoritarian regimes and strengthening our energy resilience. We will ensure that we can't be coerced or harmed by the reckless actions of rogue actors abroad. And we will transition to a future based on renewable and nuclear energy, while ensuring the gas used during that transition is from reliable sources, including our own North Sea production. The free world needs this economic strength and resilience to push back against authoritarian aggression and win this new era of strategic competition. Other global figures also denounced Putin. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that Putin, quote, will be held to account for the horrific actions, illegal invasion and war crimes that they are busy committing. Meanwhile, Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong called Russia's claims of territorial integrity untrue, adding that no sham referendum will make them true. Daniel Monaghan, NTD News. And foreign relations analysts say Russia is pushing these referendums to formally make these areas part of their territory that could pave the way for Russia to use non-conventional weapons in response to any attack in the region. And one-way flights out of Russia were rocketing up in price and selling out fast yesterday. That's after President Putin ordered the immediate call-up of 300,000 reservists. 
Putin's announcement raised fears that some men of fighting age would be prohibited from leaving the country. The Russian defense minister said the call-up would be limited to those with experience as professional soldiers. The Kremlin declined to comment on whether the borders would be closed to those subject to the mobilization order. Direct flights from Moscow to Istanbul, Turkey, and the city of Yerevan, all in Armenia, sold out on Wednesday. Both are destinations that allow Russians to enter without a visa. The price of typical one-way fares to Turkey was triple what it was last week. Russian police arrest more than 1,300 people protesting yesterday. This happened just hours after President Putin ordered Russia's first military draft since World War II. The protest monitoring group said those figures included around 500 in Moscow and about 550 in St. Petersburg. Unsanctioned rallies are illegal under Russia's anti-protest laws. A Russian Interior Ministry official said officers cut short attempts to stage what it called small protests. She went on to say that the protests were all stopped, and she said that police detained those who violated laws, taking them to police stations for investigation and to establish their responsibility in the protest. The Moscow prosecutor's office warned that organizing or participating in protests could lead up to 15 years in prison. And for more on this, we're bringing in Captain James Fennell. He is a former director of intelligence for the U.S. Pacific Fleet in the Navy. Good morning, James. Good morning, Evelyn. Nice to be with you. Good to have you. Uh, we know Putin is moving 300,000 reservists to the front line, many of whom haven't been in battle for a long time. So I, I'm wondering, how will Russia implement this partial mobilization? Well, as they said, uh, they are going to look after people that have previously had military service. Uh, so these will be people that will be in their databases, that people that have served. And so, uh, of course, there'll be some training that they'll have to go through, some upgrades and some, uh, you know, checking of their physical status and those things. So this may this won't be a light switch. It won't happen overnight. Uh, but what it signals is an intent by Putin uh, to continue to escalate uh, the situation with Ukraine. And despite the protests uh, with the, the numbers that I've seen anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 people have been arrested in the last 24 hours, you still probably are going to find uh, enough people there that are willing to serve uh, because they know that uh, they're being told uh, that they're fighting not just NATO, but the collective West, as their defense minister said yesterday. Mm. And I mean, Russia has demoralized and defecting troops. They have people back home scared and protesting now, like you just mentioned, but now they will also have 300,000 more soldiers at the, at the front line. So putting things into perspective, in which direction do you think the war will go now? I think that uh, Putin is uh, basically uh, re responding to the uh, Ukrainian offensive, counteroffensive that has occurred over the last month. And he's basically telling the world, I'm not backing down. And so these 300,000 uh, additional troops, which is, as you said, unprecedented since World War II to have a conscription, uh, these will be filtered into the Russian army, uh, probably not for an offensive before the winter, but essentially to say we're locking down our positions and holding our own through the winter, and then we will maybe go on the offense in the spring. And with the, those unrests in Russia, I want to know, how are the potentials that the domestic situation could affect the war and Putin's decision in the war? Well, I think that's something that the world will be watching and, and signaling, you know, whether or not uh, there's enough uh, dissent amongst the populace in Russia uh, for him to have uh, overstepped uh, his position. Uh, but we've seen in the past that when we get hopeful that a, a dictator like Putin 
has stepped too far. They seem to be able to always land on their feet and retain control uh, of the country. So I don't think we should expect uh, that he's going to be in a position of weakness. Uh, if that happens, that's good. But I think we need to prepare for the worst. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned when I hear statements from leaders in, in NATO and in the United States talking about Putin being desperate, and this is an act of desperation. Uh, it may be, uh, but we need to take his threats seriously, especially his threats to use nuclear weapons. Right. That was my next question about Putin's threats about using nuclear weapons. You think they should be taken seriously? Oh, yeah. You, you take people that have nuclear weapons and have a history of using violence to get what they want very seriously. And so we should, instead of dismissing this or saying he would never use them or this is a bluff, we need to have plans in place for what do we do if he should use tactical nuclear weapons or, heaven forbid, even strategic nuclear weapons. Thank you so much for your insights, James Fennell. We certainly will keep a close eye on this. Thank you. Turning now to U.S. domestic affairs, the Justice Department can resume the use of classified documents in its ongoing criminal investigation of former President Trump. That's after a federal appeals court decision yesterday. The documents were seized by the FBI from Trump's Florida state in an unprecedented raid on a former president's home. The ruling came from a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. It reverses a stay on around 100 records with classified markings and partially halts Special Master Judge Raymond Deary's review of them. Deary's review would have allowed Trump's legal team access to them. Deary will be able to continue his review of the other 11,000 documents seized in the raid. His job is to ensure that investigators in their investigation don't use records belonging to Trump or any documents on which he has executive privilege. And the court and Deary called on Trump's lawyers to explain if the documents had been declassified. Trump's legal team did not clarify, so they've both determined the documents should be treated as classified for now. Trump and other Republicans have accused the FBI of targeting him for political reasons to stop him from running for president again in 2024. And more news on the former president. New York Attorney General Letitia James is suing former President Trump, the Trump Organization, and three of Trump's adult children. This is part of her years-long probe into their business dealings. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced Wednesday that she has filed a lawsuit against former President Trump, the Trump Organization, and its senior executives. She claimed that they are responsible for $250 million worth of financial fraud. The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat the system, thereby cheating all of us. He did this with the help of the other defendants, his children, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump and Eric Trump and former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg and Trump Organization controller Jeffrey McConney. James claimed that from 2011 to 2021, Trump and the Trump Organization knowingly and intentionally created more than 200 false and misleading valuations of assets and that they did so to obtain a variety of financial benefits, such as having banks lend money to the Trump Organization on more favorable terms. The Attorney General is asking the court to do the following. We are asking the court to, among other things, permanently bar Mr. Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, Eric Trump, 
from serving as an officer or director in any corporation or similar, similar entity registered and or licensed in New York. To bar Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization from entering into any New York State commercial real estate acquisition or from applying for loans from any financial institution in New York for five years. Trump reacted to the lawsuit on Truth Social, writing in part, quote, another witch hunt by a racist attorney general. She is a fraud who campaigned on a Get Trump platform. During her campaign for attorney general in 2018, James said, quote, no one is above the law, including this illegitimate president. I look forward to going into the office of attorney general every day, suing him. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. Former U.S. Attorney General William Barr weighed in on the probe yesterday. In an interview with Fox News, he called the lawsuit a political hit job. Here's what he said. It's hard for me not to conclude it's a political uh, hit job. I and mean, this is a woman who campaigned for office saying that, promising she was going to go after Trump, which I think is a, a tremendous abuse of office to go headhunting and targeting individuals. Now, I'm not even sure she has a, a good case against Trump himself, but what ultimately persuades me that this is a, a political hit job is uh, she grossly overreaches when she tries to drag the children into the, this. Barr says although Trump's adult children had roles in the former president's businesses, it involves Trump's personal financial statement. He pointed out that statement was prepared by the CFO and accounting firms. He says there is no reason they should be expected to know the details of it or to have it reviewed independently. As for claims of inflating assets and the value of properties, Barr says it's not an exact science as real estate evaluations are subjective and values can swing. Barr says since James brought the case as a civil suit, his intuition is she doesn't have the evidence to make a criminal case. In other news, Hurricane Fiona dumped heavy rains and whipped through palm trees as it skirted the Bahamas on Wednesday. The deadly storm then headed towards Bermuda. The storm's destructive path previously sent it through the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. There, it left most people without power and up to eight people dead. Fiona was packing winds as high as 130 miles per hour yesterday afternoon. Forecasters expect it to strengthen as it moves north toward Bermuda. Authorities have advised U.S. tourists not to go to Bermuda. Fiona could reach Canada's Atlantic coast tomorrow. And coming up, the governor of Texas issued an executive order on Wednesday. He's taking action to combat the growing number of fentanyl-related deaths in the nation. And industry groups warn some, that some IKEA and Hyundai cars are extremely vulnerable. Thefts have increased significantly over the last two years as some models are missing an anti-theft device. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. Mexican drug cartels operating in the state of Texas will now be classified as terrorists. Texas Governor Greg Abbott issued an executive order on the designation yesterday, and today's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more. One pill can kill. The announcement was made at a press conference Wednesday. These Mexican cartels are violent, deadly threats to every Texan and every American. It came in response to the growing number of fentanyl-related deaths in the state and the nation. Fentanyl is a scourge where just one pill kills. To save our country, 
We are escalating our efforts to get these gangs as well as these drugs off our streets. According to the CDC, over 75,000 Americans died from drug overdoses that involved fentanyl between February 2021 and February 2022. Reports show under 4,000 Americans were killed in terrorist attacks worldwide between 1995 and 2019. Most of those occurred on 9-11. The Texas governor says cartels have stooped to a new low by producing and distributing counterfeit pills disguised as real medication. He says many have died from laced painkillers, anxiety pills, and even rainbow-colored fentanyl made to look like candy so that children will take it. Well, fentanyl is a clandestine killer, and Texans are victimized by Mexican cartels that produce and import it. So cartels are terrorists, and it's time that we started treating them that way. Authorities say the number of those spreading fentanyl is growing and lowering in age. A percentage of providers are high school students that knowingly distribute fentanyl-laced pills. Texas agencies are being asked to alert the public about the fentanyl crisis at schools and workplaces and through social media and public service announcements. When asked about stopping the problem at its source, Abbott had this to say. The subcomponents of fentanyl are almost always made in China. China exports the elements to Mexico, where cartels combine them and lace them onto pills. The drugs are then trafficked across the border into the United States. Abbott has directed the Texas Department of Public Safety to take immediate action in identifying gangs that are supporting the cartels and work to seize cartel assets to disrupt their networks. The governor says he's already been working to reclassify fentanyl overdoses as fentanyl poisoning and elevate the charge to murder for anyone who knowingly provides fentanyl to someone that loses their life because of it. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Moving on to sports news, the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury basketball teams are up for sale. Robert Sarver, the embattled owner of the NBA and WNBA teams, is looking to sell the franchises. This after the NBA suspended and fined him $10 million for a hostile work environment. The NBA commissioned an independent investigation last year about Sarver's alleged behavior. The report found he used the N-word on multiple occasions, made sex-related comments in the workplace, and engaged in inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. Sarver apologized, but disagreed with some of the allegations several NBA players and sponsors have been calling for his resignation. Some Hyundai and Kia cars and SUVs are missing a key anti-theft device, leaving them vulnerable to thieves. An insurance industry group says these cars are twice as likely to be stolen because their keys lack computer chips for theft immobilizer systems. The thefts apparently started in the Milwaukee area two years ago and spread to multiple Midwest cities as instructional videos appeared on social media. Chip keys communicate with another chip in the ignition switch. If they match, the engines will start. If they don't, a thief can't start the engine. The National Insurance Crime Bureau says to help prevent theft, owners should roll up windows, lock doors, and take both the key or fob with them. They are also advised to park in well-lighted areas or a garage. Coming up, if an asteroid is ever going to be a threat to Earth, NASA might have a solution for it. And Captain America to the rescue, actor Anthony Mackie is getting hands-on in New Orleans. He's helping to fix roofs for residents that were damaged during the recent Hurricane Ida. That's after the break.
Good to have you back with us. For the first time, NASA will attempt to hit an asteroid in order to change its speed and trajectory. A spacecraft named DART will zero in on the asteroid Monday, intent on slamming into it head-on at roughly four miles per second. The impact should be just enough to nudge the asteroid into a slightly tighter orbit around its companion space rock. DART blasted off on the $325 million mission last November. It's pretty cool, right? Pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the first Save the World experiment of its kind. If successful, the test will demonstrate that if a killer asteroid ever heads our way, we'll stand a fighting chance. Okay. So while we're testing a spacecraft to save the Earth, a Florida highway had to temporarily close after a semi-trailer carrying cases of coarse light crashed, turning the roadway into a silver sea of beer cans. Florida Highway Patrol says the vehicle crashed Wednesday morning about 30 miles north of Tampa. Officials say the pileup began when one semi clipped another while changing lanes. This forced other semis to brake, but one failed to stop and collided with a pickup truck and one of the stopping semis. The semi that failed to stop was filled with cases of the silver bullet. Captain America comes to save the day, this time not in a Marvel comic, but in real life. Actor Anthony Mackie is on a mission to fix roofs for residents of New Orleans after Hurricane Ida caused massive destruction. The actor says the project is close to his heart. Entity's Cost Temenes has more on this. Actor Anthony Mackie was not carrying his Captain America shield when he returned to his hometown of New Orleans. His mission? to help repair hurricane-damaged roofs for people in his old neighborhood. The actor, who currently portrays Captain America in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, says the project is very close to his heart, as it brings back memories from his childhood. When I was a kid, he would go through the city and the people in our neighborhood, he would do their roofs for free. You know, that was the, the importance of growing up in Gentilly, and specifically the Seven Ward, it was a community effort. You know, if the old lady on your street got a shingle missing, you go on a roof and you fist the shingle, no question asked. Mackie is working with GAF, one of the country's leading roofing manufacturers. The company has committed to installing 500 roofs throughout the Gulf region, including 150 roofs in the 7th Ward of New Orleans, an area that was hammered by both Hurricane Katrina in 2005 and then Ida that hit on the same day 16 years later. New Orleans resident Riddell Warren says she is overjoyed when she got the call saying her roof would be fixed. I was going through so much, you know what I'm saying? Taking care of my little sick daddy, then wondering how I'm gonna do his house. Wondering about the roof of my house and you ain't got enough money. And I'm like, and God just sends you people, you know? He does, he sends people to help you. GAF is also training people in roofing skills through their GAF Roofing Academy. They teamed with Rebuilding Together New Orleans, which is supplying the labor, while GAF is supplying the materials and paying the costs. We're talking about people that make New Orleans who it is and make communities who they are. And so as we started kind of getting into deeper conversations, we wanted this to highlight a neighborhood that we thought represented us. Mackie, whose family owns Mackie One Construction, grew up working in the roofing business before going on to his acting career. In recent years, he's appeared in numerous Avengers movies as Sam Wilson, also known as Falcon, and is taking over the Captain America role. It gives me a sense of pride that I'm doing my people a service. You know, I know what 
people in this neighborhood go through because I was born in this neighborhood, I grew up in this neighborhood, and I now live in this neighborhood. Mackey says it's important to him that he brings the gifts and blessings he received in his life back to the city. Costa Menes, NTD News. Superhero on screen and in real life. Yeah, I mean, their actions must have brightened their days. Talking about brighten your day, you know what will put a smile on your face? Tell me more. The Comedy Pet Photography Awards, where pet owners share their hilarious photos with the world, and they have announced their winner today. The overall winner is Kenji Morinaga from Japan with a photo of two cats with no head. This image went up against 2,000 funny pet entries. There were several other category winners and eight highly commended winners. The competition was held over the summer. The winner of the competition gets the title of Comedy Pet Photographer of the Year, a cash prize of over $2,000 plus more than $5,000 to give to a chosen animal charity. Oh man, those are some really good photos. Uh, yeah, I know. I love them all, but I'm not sure. I also can't decide which one is my favorite, so I'm glad I'm not a judge there. I like the one with the cat in the hedge sticking his head out. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> all of them were very funny and very cute. But we're ending it here now. Don't forget to share any ideas or feedback you may have at goodmorning@ntd.com. That's it for today. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.